Tara. I've known Tara for like 10 years, you guys, since I was a teen. And she was not a teen, but she's not that old, so it's okay. Um, yeah. So, so Tara is super amazing, anointed woman of God, you guys. We're so blessed to have her with us tonight to bring the word. Like, oh my gosh, every time I've heard her preach, it's just like God brings the house down. And usually I'm convicted and it's fine. But so I'm, we're glad to have her. We're also glad to have, like David says, Lakeview, um, Lakeview Christian Bible Church, right? So we're, we're excited to have you guys in. So thanks for being here with us tonight. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Tara. You guys welcome her. Awesome. How you guys doing? Wow. Y'all are uh, pretty full of life tonight. I need you to settle down, tone it down like <laughs> sarcasm. Wow. Um, I don't normally do this, but um, Raul. Raul. Um, I just want to say thank you. Man, because you love Jesus like no one I've ever seen. And uh, I was just using the restroom, and God told me that he's going to give you, show you the secrets of his heart. Things that nobody else in this room will know. So uh, he worships Jesus like all of us don't. Okay? And, and I'm not here elevating him, but he understands who Jesus is. And um, I'm... I'm skipping the fluff introduction. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad to see you guys. But we're just going to cut to the, the point tonight because, see, like someone just prayed, you're not here by accident tonight. And neither is he. And even I was convicted watching him worship. Because you know what? He doesn't care who's watching him. Because I watched him. And so did some of you. He, he doesn't care if his flag hits the pole on the ceiling because you know what? He knows and understands who Jesus is, and he loves him beyond himself. But while he was doing that tonight, most of us were talking. We're talking. And look, I, we could have a whole argument about why I'm not really in worship, or I like to sing, or my voice cracks, or whatever. They don't know what they're doing up there. But it doesn't matter because worship is not singing a feel-good, fuzzy song to God. Worship is understanding who God is and who you're not. And the fact that God loves you just as you are. And I don't know if you're broken up and busted and jacked up like I am, but irregardless of my failures and my shortcomings... The one true God, Jesus Christ, he looks at me and he says, Tara, I love you and I'm for you. And you know what? I want to worship like that. I, I want to be free from what others think of me. And more than that, I want that for you guys. I don't know if you know this, but there's millions of people in the world who never get to gather together in a public house called a church because they'll get their heads literally chopped off. There's no church. There's no sound system. There's no cool youth leaders, man. Me and Sam go way back, way back. The driveway talks, way back. But, but there's not computers and screens with words on it. And really tonight, I think most of us, if we're being honest, we're a little too comfortable. Because it's like church is a buffet. What can I go and get out of it? But who, who's going to notice me tonight? Who's going to compliment me on my new shoes? Who, who's going to shout out my pretty voice during worship? Or who's going to acknowledge me? If we're being honest, we come to youth group because there's some cute boy or there's some cute girl and we're trying to hook up and it really has nothing to do with Jesus. 
And tonight, Jesus wants to ask you and I one question, and it's this. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Or is this it? Is this it? We're going to jump to John chapter 5. And I think it's one of the most hilarious, awkward conversations in the Bible. I don't know if you've ever been asked an awkward question. I remember when my nephew was two and he had just started talking. And I uh, was a teenager at the time. And so I had what my nephew called as red dots all over my face. And he said, Aunt Tama, what's the red dot on your face? And I'm like, it's a zit. It's, it's, never mind. Just ignore it. Don't look. You know what I'm saying? Like, because everyone has them at some point. And if you don't, then you have heavenly skin. But whatever. I don't know if you've ever been asked an awkward question, but in this passage in John chapter 5, Jesus asks one of the most awkward, uncomfortable, loaded questions. We're going to pick up in verse 1. It says this, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up into Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. And these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. I'm 36. That's two more years of my life. I've lived a long time. I'm getting very old. I'm a few years away from my senior citizen discount. An invalid for 38 years. That means he couldn't move. Homeboy was at the mercy of the ones around him. I don't know if you've ever been laid up, had a surgery, doctor said stay in bed, get off your foot, whatever, and that's hard to do, right? That's hard to do. This guy hasn't been able to move for 38 years. Listen to what he says. <clears throat> when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, because Jesus knows everything. You can hide from your youth pastors and your parents and your friends, but Jesus knows everything. You're not hiding anything from him. So you might as well just bring it out into the open. Side note. When Jesus knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? And I don't know about you, but when I first read this, I was kind of offended on behalf of the guy. Like, do you want to be healed? Like, Jesus, are you serious? It's like if someone asked me, Darren, would you like some chocolate? No. Oh, no, no. <laughs> really not a fan. Heck yeah, and I hope there's a marshmallow in the middle of it. I mean, come on, Jesus. You asking some homeboy who hasn't been able to move for 38 years, do you want to be healed? This is where it gets kind of comical to me. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed, and he walked. Do you want to be healed? Here's the scene. Lame, sick. And back in Bible times, the sick and the lame and the paralyzed, they were like outcasts, right? So they sat at the city gate, and everyone walked around because there was no city bus, and there was no taxi, and there was no Uber, none of that. And so they just sat around. I mean, they don't have anywhere to go anyway. But they sat around, and every day they would beg, and they would be at the mercy of the people passing by, hoping for a piece of bread or some change. And the story goes that there was this pool, and there's all these sick, disabled cats hanging around this pool. 
And once in a while, an angel from God will come down and stir the waters. Giant wooden spoon, I don't know. But the angel would stir the waters, and the first person to get into the pool of water would be healed. Can you imagine? That's like Black Friday sales to a whole nother level, right? That's like Willy Wonka golden ticket stuff like snap. If someone's going to have to lower me down into the waters, I'm going to get the fastest people I know. The fastest. And chances are if someone, if one of my friends needs to be dipped into the water, they're probably not going to ask me to help him. You know what I'm saying? The first person in the water gets healed. So Jesus sees the guy and he says, do you want to be healed? Why would Jesus ask that? Because what he asked of that man, he's asking of you and I tonight. I know that none of you are lame in here. It looks like everyone has two healthy working legs, but you ought to give God thanks for that. That's a blessing. There's a lot of people who don't have that. And, and you have mobility in your body, and you can move. And man, you can feel things. You can see, and you can hear, and you can breathe. You can eat your own food. And so none of us in here tonight are sick in that way, but we're sick in a different way. We're lame in another way, and that's inside our hearts. And I saw it tonight with my own eyes. Because y'all were caught up in talking during worship. Which tells me that you don't really understand who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Because when you really understand who Jesus is and who you're not, your only response is pure genuine worship. Whether that's singing or dancing or waving a flag or just being still and in awe of who this God is. So Jesus comes in tonight and he says, hey, do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? And some of us, if we're honest, are being held back by our own sin. Our own self-pleasure. I hear people say all the time, well, you know what? It's okay because God is going to forgive me anyway. You know what I call that? That's lusting after grace. That, that's cheapening the price that Jesus paid for you. Here's another one right here. Oh, well, it's not that bad. I'm not out killing someone. It doesn't matter because sin is sin in God's eyes. And he said it, that it breaks his heart. And frankly, it ticks him off. And he didn't die on the cross and endure the beating so that you could play around with sin. And be casual to it. Like, oh, it's no big deal. No, it is a big deal. It is such a big deal that there are people in the Middle East who literally refuse to deny Jesus Christ before ISIS. And they literally get their heads sliced off. I saw the picture. I saw the video. And if Jesus isn't real, if he's not worthy of it all, and if he's not good, then how come so many cats are willing to lay down their very laps for him? But see, we get to come to church on Wednesday night. We get to come to youth group. We're like, oh, I'm going to check that. I don't really like that song. I don't really feel like singing. I'm sitting next to that cute girl and I'm going to talk to her. We don't get it. And Jesus is asking you tonight, do you want to be well? You're held back by your own sin. The Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says that sin is like a cancer of our souls and it destroys us. Nobody ever dreams of being an alcoholic one day, of being a drug addict, of being a drug dealer. Nobody ever says, I'm going to be a pedophile when I grow up, but it happens because they open the door a little bit, a little bit. They're watching inappropriate movies. They're listening to Kixie. You have no business listening to Kixie. 
None. Because it doesn't tell you the truth about who Jesus Christ is and it messes with your mind and then the enemy gets a foothold in your life and then he starts tripping you up. How many of you know at least one person in jail today? How many of you know at least one alcoholic, drug addict, someone who's throwing their lives away? Well, I guarantee you this, they never in a million years dreamed of one day growing up to be that person. But it happened because they made one small choice after the other, after the other. You're being held back by your sin. You are lame because of your sin. You can't be who God has called you to be because of your sin. And you know what? Sin never satisfies. Never. You're seeking comfort or you're seeking encouragement or this self-pleasure from this thing, from that. And it never works. It will always leave you empty. You're crippled by your sin. Some of you are crippled by your own unforgiveness. So-and-so did this. So-and-so didn't do that. My dad walked out of my life. My mom's in prison. Whatever. You are crippled by your own unforgiveness. You know what the Bible says? It says, forgive because I have forgiven you. Not because the person asked for it. Not because the person deserves it. Not because whatever harm or negative thing that they did to you was right and okay by God. Let's drop back to Genesis 1 for a minute. God created the world in seven days, technically six. Took a big old nap on day seven after I think he ate some brisket probably. And, and there was perfection. It, it was pure beauty. It was perfect fellowship with God the Father. And there was this huge garden. No fire ants, no mosquitoes, no spiders, no snakes if you're a girl. And it was perfect. And God said, enjoy all of this. But one thing, stay away from that tree. And Adam and Eve, what they do? They went and messed with the one tree, right? Now before we just throw Adam and Eve some shade and throw them under the bus, are we not like Adam and Eve? I mean, God says, don't do this. What do we do? We instantly do it. God says, do this. We're like, oh, whoop, can't hear you. What? <laughs> Adam and Eve were robbed of an entire garden because of one tree. Some of you are being robbed of life to the fullest because of unforgiveness in your heart towards someone or someone's. And those are chains that bind you. They hold you down. And Jesus is asking you tonight, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? Some of you are being held down and held back by your own self. It's all about you, man. Your image, your steps. Oh, I mean, they got apps to get you more followers on Instagram. Why? I don't want someone I don't know following me like that. They don't need to know what I had for breakfast yesterday. You know what I'm saying? But they have apps to get you on more followers, and it's because you all are so consumed with yourselves. Where is the selfie generation? Guilty. You know, where you do the upward angle so it minimizes the third chin. That's not you, just me, okay? You gotta get the sunlight just right, right? You guys are concerned with yourselves and you are making little gods of yourselves. Because it's all about you and it's all about your followers and it's all about your social media. And it's all about who commented or liked or who unfollowed. And we live in a generation, if you don't like someone, you just unfriend and unfollow. 
You're lame. You're paralyzed. You are sick. And Jesus is asking tonight, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? We're going to hop to 1 Samuel chapter 5. favorite stories in the Bible. Y'all still with me? First Samuel chapter 5. When the Philistines captured the Ark of God, they brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. I promise your name could be worse. You're not Ebenezer. Yeah. Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it into the house of Dagon and set it up beside Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and they put him back in his place. But when they rose early on the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both his hands were lying cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. This is why the priests of Dagon and all who enter the house of Dagon do not tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod to this day. The hand of the Lord was heavy against the people of Ashdod, and he terrified and afflicted them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territory. You're like, okay. Well, let me break it down for you. Back in Bible times in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Lord represented the literal presence of God. And Dagon was this little stone statue, and I was going to try to make one, but I didn't have time. But Dagon was their fish god. So they worshipped. Are, are you picking up <coughs> what the word is saying? They set the statue before the ark of the Lord, and the next morning, the statue had fallen face down. Well, can y'all leave those neighborhood cats? They should have stayed out of there. You know what I'm saying? Like, why is the Bible talking about a statue that fell down before the presence of God, what represented the presence of God? I'll tell you why it says that, because nothing stands before the presence of Jesus Christ. And so they carefully, this fish God, they set it back up. And the next morning, not only had it fallen down again, but its head and its hands were cut off. Because God says, nobody, no thing will be worshipped but me. Whether you worship or not, nothing stands in my presence. He is a very, very holy God. And maybe your viewer understanding of who God is is pretty small, but I'm going to remind you tonight who he is. The, the sun isn't a cute little ball colored in with yellow crayon. It's a raging ball of fire. And, and if our planet Earth were an incometer closer to the sun, we would literally burn alive like that. And God is the one who keeps us in perfect orbit. But not only does he do that, he numbers the hairs on your head and he has your name engraved on his hand and he literally answers and hears 
millions and billions of prayers at the same time. And he's knitting babies together in their mama's wombs. And, and he's comforting people who are sad and he's healing people of cancer. And he's creating the most magnificent sunrise and the most breathtaking sunsets. And there's no two snowflakes. Y'all don't know what that is because we're in hot Texas. But there's snow in other parts of the world and it's beautiful and it's amazing. And there's no two snowflakes that are the exact same. No two people on planet Earth, out of the billions of people that have lived on this Earth for hundreds or thousands of years, have the same two fingerprints. And it's all because of God. Big G, one true God, Jesus Christ. And he says, nothing and no one will stand before my presence. That the Israelites were foolish enough to, to worship this fish god, thinking that this fish god somehow rescued them out of their sin and their slavery, but it didn't because only Jesus Christ is big enough and God enough and strong enough and powerful enough to rescue you and I. So you're like, okay, cool. I didn't bring a daggone anyone in, in the house got a daggone tonight. Let's just crush it, right? But see, the reality is some of you have taken the place of daggone. That's why you're talking during worship. Um, really, right? Because it's all about you and, and not about Jesus, right? Like youth group is all about you. How can my youth pastor serve me? The statue didn't fall, not once, but twice. And its head and hands got cut off. That is a holy, terrifying God. And that's the same God of today. That, that's the same God tonight that we were singing to. That's the same God who saw fit to wake you up today and to put breath in your lungs and get the blood flowing through your veins so you could get up out of bed. You were born in the richest country on the planet. I know kids your age who have never been to school, don't know how to read, don't know how to spell, don't know how to write their name. They've never owned a pair of shoes. They maybe eat one meal a day. But we want to come to church and clown around. And Jesus asks, do you want to get better? Do you want to get well? Do you want to get healed? They rejected the very thing that gave them life, and that's the presence of God. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the whole point of tonight. It is to be reconciled to God the Father. Jesus is literally here saying, wake up, hello, you're not God. I am. And that will never change. That will never change. It says in Proverbs, I believe, 
that the fool who repeats his folly is like a dog who returns to his vomit. It's pretty disgusting. I don't know how you feel about vomit. Maybe you like it. I don't know. I hate it. <laughs> but the fool who repeats his folly is like the dog who returns to its vomit. Those of you who keep sinning and sinning and sinning and not doing anything about it, you're like a dog returning to vomit. I mean, it's just that clear. But Jesus is saying in his word again and again, be reconciled to me. Come home. Come back. Let me recalibrate you to who you are and who you're not. And you are my child and I love you and I have great plans for your life. But you are not God. You have not arrived. He comes in and he interrupts our lives. And Jesus says, do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? Because some of you, the truth is, you really like your sin. And that's okay to say. But you really like your sin. You don't want to give it up. Some of you, you like your self-image that you've worked so hard to create and construct. Some of you like holding on to that unforgiveness. And instead of our lives becoming a trophy of grace and showing and displaying the power and wonder of Jesus Christ, we, we create trophies out of our lives. Well, I was abused for 10 years, and we dust off the trophy and put it on the shelf. Well, I, I whatever, fill in the blank. And when we do that, we make gods out of ourselves. We're just like Dagon. And if God can cause a lifeless statue to fall not once but twice in the middle of the night and cut off its head and his hands, don't you think he can deal with you accordingly? He's an unchanging God. He's not like man that he should lie or change his mind or be to and fro on what he's thinking or what he's feeling. But in his love, he's saying, return to me. Let me be God. Nothing can stand before my presence. I am big G God, the one true God, Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords. There is no idol that will stand up to me. There is no temptation that cannot fall before me. There is no whatever that stands before Jesus Christ. Your pride, yourself, your self-image. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 says this. This is about you. You ready? We're coming around the corner. Here comes the good news. But you are a chosen race. I'm going to take a time out there. How many of you play sports? Okay, so um, I played sports one time. It didn't last long. But in elementary, uh, I really loved football. Like, man, I loved playing football with the guys. And you know what? How you see me now? It's pretty much how I was back then. Except I'd wear a pair of sweatpants and my hair would be in two little pigtails. And every single day, guess who was the last to be chosen? Yours truly. And every single day, guess who was the one that they wouldn't pass the football to? Yours truly. Until one day, I created my own football league at recess. And I got to be team captain. You know what I did? I chose all the misfits. I chose all the ones who never got chosen first. I chose all the non-athletes. And yeah, we lost by 30 points every day, but you know what? We had a darn good time losing it. Chosen. Jesus says, I choose you. Oh, one who was talking the entire time during worship at youth group. 
Jesus says, I choose you. Oh, one who keeps repeating his folly and is like a dog returning to vomit. I choose you. Oh, hard-headed Tara who doesn't want to listen and thinks she knows it all. I choose you. Jesus says, I choose you. A holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim. Here's the why. Why did Jesus choose you? Here's the why. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So you can say, Jesus saved me. <laughs> this room ought to be packed every Wednesday if that's how you're living your life. It, it, Jesus chose you, set you apart, and said you are mine so that you can tell my story. And his story is one that's always full of good news and truth and hope and grace and life and love. This room ought to be packed on Wednesday nights if you're telling your story. If you're telling his story, if you're living your life in that way, you ought to be telling cats, man, you got to come to church. you you got to hear about Jesus. I, I mean, there's like, I don't know how many of you tonight, but how, how many students your age, go, you see them every day at school, and you know what? They're going to die in burning hell unless you tell them. That's on you. That's not on CJ. That's not on your youth leaders. That's on you. That's why God chose you. He said, I chose you because I want you to proclaim the excellencies of who I am. The excellencies. The good news. Who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Aren't you thankful for a God who doesn't leave you in your muck and mire? I mean, my goodness, thank Jesus that parents change diapers when they're messy. For real. Thank Jesus that he doesn't leave us in the darkness and leave us with our stuff, man. That would be hopeless. That would be devastating. But no, God is always calling us out of darkness. Hey, child, come back. You're wandering a little far. Hey, child, come back. Hey, Tara, I love you. Walk this way, not that way. Once you were, here's, here's a really fun part. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. God, the one true God. Jesus Christ, not Allah, not Buddha, not some fake fat golden statue that you got to face east seven times a day and bow down and kneel down to and do all this hoopla. God, the one true God. He says, you're mine. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, a.k.a. sin, a.k.a. fill in the blank with your favorite flavor of sin, impurity, sexual temptation, drugs, alcohol, pornography, selfishness, pride, arrogance, judgment, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, gossip, Abstain from the pleasures of the flesh. The passions of the flesh, I'm sorry. Which wage war against your soul. Translation. Quit living a lie. You are not God, you never have been, and you never will be. The things that you're participating in, the sin that you're playing around with, Jesus is calling you out and saying you're done. It's time to move on.
the idols that you're worshiping, the daggons in your own life, your own self-image, your own dreams. Dreams can be an idol before God. Anything or anyone that you love more than Jesus Christ is an idol, and it's displeasing to him. And really, you get to choose. You get to choose. I can't choose for you. Your youth leaders can't choose for you. You get to choose. But he made it real clear. And he's an unchanging God. Maybe you don't remember or even understand how much he loves you. Maybe there's just this disconnect. Maybe you've never heard the gospel. Or maybe you're like me and you just kind of get off the beaten path. I'm 36 years old. I'm the youngest of seven in my family. And when I was eight years old, I gave my life to Jesus. Grew up in the church. And man, I love Jesus. And when I asked Jesus to live in my heart, I thought he was like a little action figure. And I truly had this vision that he just moved into my heart with a little recliner and suitcase. I mean, I knew he was bigger than that, but, you know, I mean, I really loved Jesus. At eight years old, I really loved Jesus. And when I was 11, I was at church camp, and I felt like God was telling me to spend the rest of my life doing ministry. And so I said, okay, God, I'll be a missionary the rest of my life. I'll wear ugly skirts and eat weird food if it means that, you know, I love you. And it was genuine and it was pure. And I love Jesus. I remember in high school, we had like this prayer group that we were supposed to get together in the mornings and pray before school. Do y'all have that here? No? Well, fantastic. Maybe you should start one. Anyway, we had a prayer group and it was like, uh, I think it was called FCA and it was like Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Okay, and we would pray before school and you know who showed up? Me and my twin sister. For four years, that was it, me and my twin sister, man. In high school, I was made fun of because I didn't listen to the music that my friends listened to. And, and I didn't say words and cuss like my friends did. And it wasn't just because I would get in trouble. It was because I really, really loved Jesus. And I went to college. I went to college in Illinois. It was a private university. And I was studying how to be a missionary. You don't need to really study that. I'll just let you know. Because I wanted to travel the world and I wanted to tell people about Jesus. But somewhere along the way, Tara got real selfish. And it started with one cigarette. It started with one party. And I would spend almost the next 10 years of my life stoned out of my mind and or drunk, addicted to cigarettes, in places I never dreamed I would go. I lost it. Because Tara became God in her own world. Tara stopped loving Jesus. Tara loved Tara more than she loved Jesus. There are parts of my life from college that I don't remember. Because I've wasted almost 10 years of my life being God of my own world. <clears throat> Until one day, Jesus said, Tara, do you want to be well? 
And you know what? When I was at the bottom of my mess and I had nowhere to go and I had disappointed my family and I was broke, like negative $1,200 broke, I said, yeah, I do. I do. And so Jesus and I began this journey of me just walking with him. And you know what it meant? I lost all my friends just like that. I said, hey, y'all, I'm not going to be getting high anymore. And, and I literally could not hang with them. I, I quit going to parties. It meant accountability. It meant that when my professor asked me, Tara, did you get high today? I had a choice. And my choice, my promise to her was that I would be honest. And I'd say, yes, ma'am. And I'd repent. And I would start again. Day one. Day three. Day 27. Day 93. And I'd fail again. And I'd tell God I'm sorry. And then I would start again. But here's the beauty of it all. Are you ready? The same Jesus who loved the little Tara, little chunky Tara when I was eight years old and had cute little pigtails, never changed his mind or his heart about me. He loved me the same. I don't care what your hang-up is tonight. I don't care what your habit is or your past her or, or whatever you got. I'm telling you, if you don't know that love like I do, you are missing out. As a matter of fact, the day I quit doing all that, like the final day, I remember telling God, I was like, well, God, guess I won't have any more friends in my life. Guess I'll never laugh another day in my life. And holy cow, y'all, I've got more real friends now than I, than I had back then, like real friends. Friends like Sam and Sierra who point me to Jesus. Friends who love me enough to be honest with me and say, Terry, you're not walking like Christ. I laugh more now than I did back then. Oh my goodness, it's the only time in my life I know that I have abs is when I'm laughing. But it's fantastic because that is who God is. He is a God of restoration and a God of reconciliation. He has chosen you. He is calling you out from darkness into the light. And he is setting you apart and he is saying, you are mine. But the choice is yours. Anything less than Jesus Christ as number one in your life is a lie. And it's a scam. And you are getting punked by the enemy of your soul who hates your guts. And he hates freedom fellowship. And he hates that we're gathering on Wednesday nights. And all he's trying to do is wreck your life. And some of you are making it super easy for him to do that. So the choice is yours. How will you live? Jesus asks you tonight, do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be free? God, thank you for your word. And God, thank you that you are God and that I am not. That you are an unchanging God, that the same God who creates beautiful sunrises and God, when you breathe, you put stars into the night sky and you call those stars by name. And in the midst of you being a really big God and a really good God, you see us and you know us and you love us and you call us out of darkness into the light. And so, Father, I pray tonight in Jesus' name for those in this room that do not know you, that do not have a personal relationship with you, that tonight would be the night of salvation for them, that they would turn from their selfish, wicked, sinful ways.
and that they would find freedom and salvation. God, for your children tonight who have gone away from you, who have loved themselves more than they love you, God, I pray that your spirit would convict them and that they would come tonight and that they would repent, that they would fall on their knees before you, God, in true humility and repentance and make it right with you. God, thank you that you love us, that you choose us, that you call us out of darkness into light. In your name. Amen. Hey, you guys, just take this these next few minutes to really sit and pray. There are youth leaders here that want to pray with you, pray for you. If you have things that you need to give up tonight, things you need to lay down, then there are people here that want to pray with you and for you. So take advantage of this time. If you don't know Jesus, this is your time now. He's calling you now. Get up and go. No one's going to be staring at you. No one's going to be talking about you. This is your time. And if you're not getting up to go, then sit and pray for others. Sit and pray for yourself. But this is a time of meditation and to sober.